the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. I'm Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And as I've shared with you before, uh, in addition to my JD, I also hold a couple of master's degrees of law. I am a master of the laws of taxation laws, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. I obtained both of my master's degrees from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the beautiful downtown San Francisco. And because of my training my experiences, my interests, and my expertise. I primarily practice bankruptcy law, debt wealth management outside of bankruptcy, estates and trusts, real estate, and taxation law. And as I've shared with you before, I'm also proud to say that as part of my practice, I'm occasionally able to help seniors vindicate their rights, especially those who've been victims of the various forms of financial elder abuse, a cause that's near and dear to my heart. And as I'm fond of saying, when I come to you each week, I'm so pleased to be able to come to you once again today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting families and small business owners, because as you know, Wise people, including me, know that families and small business owners are the backbone of our American economy and our society. However, as always, I must also once again have you know that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully to provide you with an outline of some of the issues that uh, you might outline for yourselves as you reach out to people to find qualified professional help. You know, basically um, trying to give you an outline of some of the questions that you should ask those uh, legal professionals and financial professionals to make sure that they understand your issues and that they understand your concerns. I do this because I really believe that 
you need help if you have legal and financial issues. Uh, it's not that, you know, lawyers are brighter than you, financial advisors are brighter than you. You might be the brightest person on the planet, but unless you have been trained in the law and know a lot about finances, especially when those two areas merge, I say representing yourself in a legal financial matter is just like taking a butter gun to a, a, a gunfight. If you're lucky, you'll get real close to your adversary, and if you do, you might scratch her on the arm, but you're not going to harm her, and you might even poke her in the eye. But more than likely, you're not going to get that close to her, and basically you're the one that's going to be dead on arrival. That is to say your valid claims or defenses are likely going to see the promised land way before you do because you're going to get booted out of court or you're going to have a verdict or you're going to have a decision by a judge sitting on a bench uh, that's not going to be favorable uh, to you. Um, and I, I can cite an example. Someone came to me to help them with an issue that they had tried to do in pro se or pro per meaning on their own, and the court kicked it, it back because it was missing a component of what is needed to convince a court that you have a worthy um, cause of action or that you're asking it to do something in a motion. Uh, so, you know, and it's not that the person who prepared the document wasn't an intelligent person. It's just that this person didn't know all of the rules, the local rules, um, the case law yeah, that needed to be presented, and the different documents that need to be presented and prepared. And so that's why I say representing yourself in on a legal matter, especially one dealing with you or your family's finances, is like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. Everybody else in the court is going to be a lawyer, and everybody's going to know the rules, and you are not. So why put yourself behind the eight ball? Okay? Uh, so as you can see, the reason why I come to you each week is I like to have the opportunity to discuss the law as it relates to your money and sometimes the lack thereof and your finances, or sometimes the, your lack of understanding of your own finances uh, you need to have a good grasp with these things so you can protect your family's financial, health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand it, in a non-threatening form. That's what this is all about. With that said, we're going to continue our discussion of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is what makes our economy work, and that's why um, I got into the law. I've had a couple of small businesses of my own. I've helped other entrepreneurs develop their businesses. And unfortunately, sometimes businesses um, crash against the shore. And that's why I think a, a good small business owner, uh, an entrepreneur, needs to know the telltale signs of structural issues in their own business such that they can maybe look at bankruptcy as a way to um, save their, their business, uh, restructure their business, or liquidate their business such that they can have some assets to start a new enterprise or while well, they go look for a job. So that's why you need to understand both sides of the entrepreneurial coin, the side that makes money and makes, you know, gives you the ability to take care of yourself and your family, and the downside when either something, you do something stupid, you rely on your own, right? You rely on um, advice from people that may, might not know what they're doing. Um, maybe sometimes you're um, caught up in scams that suck all the financial lifeblood out of your business, 
or maybe the marketplace just changes. We're going through that right now. So you need to know what to do in case you run into hardship, hard times. And um, I'm really um, using uh, as my source material the research that I've done over the last several years. And it's helping me uh, write a book on entrepreneurship, uh, the good side, the bad side, and bankruptcy for the for non not too dumb dumb people who occasionally run into a roadblock or a speed bump okay uh, so when we were last together we started a conversation about a special kind of bankruptcy that Congress has established just for farmers and fisher persons a chapter 12 bankruptcy uh, which in essence takes, in my opinion, some of the best provisions of a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, which is very, in my opinion, user-friendly. You just basically have to have a plan, and you have to have a source of income to fund a plan. And if you work with a good uh, attorney who knows something about finance, you can put together something that makes sense for the bankruptcy court to approve. Again, 13s are designed for uh, individuals. You have to be uh, a small business owner who breathes air and bleeds blood in order to do a Chapter 13. So that means you can't be a, a, another entity like a corporation or a partnership or an LLC. And, um, you know, I, I, I do this because here in the Bay Area, or I want to talk about Chapter 12, because here in the Bay Area and throughout California and basically all across this country, we have a large and diverse family farming, and fishing uh, set of communities that have been or continue to be negatively impacted by the fallout of some of the policy, uh, public policy decisions made by the folks back in Washington, D.C. concerning our national trade policy that have and continue to have negative impact on our farmers. For example, our current trade war with China that by some estimates uh, reported in the Wall Street Journal recently, an article that I read, says that nearly 70, there's been a nearly 74% decline in the amount of soybeans shipped from the U.S. to China year over year, 2017 to 2018. And it came about when China stopped buying from us, stop buying soybeans as well as a lot of other uh, products from us in 2018 in retaliation to our tariff policy against them. And, uh, and, and it's been very devastating to uh, soybean farmers, especially back in the Midwest, because China for the last 10 years or more is the largest soybean exporting re- receiving country. That is to say, we ship substantial quantities of soybeans to China and a 74% decline. Just think about that. If you're a farmer and 74% of your sales went away, how could you survive? Or, Or you don't have to be a farmer. Just think about it. If you are a small business person and 74% of the people that come to your little mom and pop store vanished, how could you survive? So that's why I say uh, our trade policy. And another component is 
our climate change policy, or more correctly, the lack of a climate change policy. Because, you know, we're having droughts and then um, fires, and then when we don't have droughts and fires, we have excess rain and floods, and that's keeping the farmers back on the Midwest from being able to plant, and it's also destroying some of our fresh and saltwater habitat that produce the fish that we need to eat and that fisher persons need to sell. So that's why I think we need to talk about this issue. And when we come back, we'll go a little bit deeper, but we're going to take a short break. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on Chapter 12 bankruptcies. And I'm I, I, last time I said we were going to talk about Fisher persons, but I want to delve a little bit deeper into Chapter 12 bankruptcies because the last time we were together, I told you about a bill that was going to be making the rounds on Capitol Hill uh, in trying to get itself put into um, uh, uh enacted as part of the bankruptcy code to update the debt limits for Chapter 12s. You know, when we were last together while discussing Chapter 12 for family farmers, I shared with you the fact that in order to be eligible for Chapter 12, the family farmer could have no debts no more than about one, no, oh, sorry, $4.1 to $4.3 million dollars. And I informed you of some pending legislation entitled the Family Farmers Relief Act of 2019, and it's denominated as House Resolution 2336, and it was introduced by Representative Delgado, who represents the 19th District in New York. If passed, the act would increase the debt limits to $10 million dollars, that's a $6 million increase about approximately as uh, some family farmers and partnerships these days can easily exceed the 4.3 million dollar threshold that's available to them right now. Those who currently meet the description of a family farmer or partnership but exceed that four plus million debt limits are forced to utilize more complicated and restrictive bankruptcy avenues that include Chapter 7, that is only good if you're going to liquidate, or a Chapter 11, which is very expensive and is very complicated. And as I urge you all interested in the bill to reach out to your legislators and let them know what you wanted if you were interested, I heard from some of you and you wanted to know a little bit more about the bill. So that's what I want to spend the rest of our time today discussing. Again, it's the Family Farm Relief Act of 2019, H.R. 2336, and like all bills, must have its United States constitutional predicate. And here it is. Basically, Congress is empowered to enact a legislation pursuant to Article I powers of the Constitution. And Article I contains the bankruptcy code. And so that's what is the predicate for this bill, okay? The bill currently has 23 sponsors. It started out with five, but it has 23 now, 15 Democrats and eight Republicans from the following states, five from New York, 
four from Wisconsin, three from California, including Representatives T.J. Cox, who represents the 21st Congressional District. And he's also one of the bill's original sponsors. And there's Representative Cabrija, who represents the 24th Congressional District, and Representative Josh Harder, who represents the 10th Congressional District, who who recently, he was one of the new members of Congress that got elected in um, 2018. And there's also two uh, members from Iowa and um, one each from Georgia, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North and South Dakota, and Vermont, as well as two from Minnesota. So this bill will, according to its proponents, and its major proponents are the American Farm Bureau Federation and the National Farmers Union. They state that the Family Farm Relief Act of 2019, Senate Bill 897 and House Resolution 2336 will help more farmers avoid liquidation or foreclosure, allowing them to stay in operation and the like. This according to, again, the American Farm Bureau Federation and the National Farmers Union. The legislation will raise the Chapter 12 operating debt cap from 4.1-ish to $10 million. The proponents go on to say, our farm members have experienced several consecutive years of weak commodity prices and low profitability and poor farm income that is a result of that. And as a result, farmers and ranchers are watching their equity erode as their debt-to-asset ratio climb and their debt financing reaches a 30-year high. Now, remember, we had farmers going out of business big time, and um, Chapter 12 was created back in 1986 as a result of, you know, large foreclosures. And so the American Farm Bureau Federation believes that we might see this again because of some of the things that are going on with our trade policy, and um, they just think that a raise in a debt limit would be appropriate. They go on to say the tremendous challenge of record nominal farm debt and poor economic conditions has led many farmers to seek Chapter 12 as a debt relief and restructuring option. In the Midwest alone, Chapter 12 bankruptcies were at the highest level in over a decade. Though Chapter 12 has been a help to many family farmers, the four-plus million debt cap has kept many from using it. Again, if you know anything about farming, some of the components of the systems that are used to produce crops can approach and be more than a million dollars. Lifting the liability cap will expand access to restructuring and seasonal repayment flexibility that many farmers need today in a lagging farm economy, which is uh, being further affected by trade disputes and the like. Projections for below average farm income over the next decade and raising interest rates. That's what the Farmers Bureau says. So, you know, in... Another part of my life, I was a lobbyist, and I represented um, California insurance 
consumers before a couple of bodies uh, that produced um, legislation about farmers, the the National Insurance Commissioners Association. So I know about proponents and opponents of bills. Um, you know, um, those of us who represented consumers were always interested in making sure consumers' uh, needs were being addressed. But you also have to listen to the other side. And the other side in this issue is the American Bankers Association. And I wasn't too surprised when I read their um, opposition to the bill. Uh, ABA is the voice of the nation's 18 trillion dollar banking industry, which is composed of small, regional, and large banks that together employ more than 2 million people, safeguard $14 trillion in deposits, and extend over $10 trillion in loans. And ABA believes that it's uniquely qualified to comment on the agricultural credit issues as banks have provided the credit to the agriculture industry since the nation's founding. They have nearly five thousand banks, 83% of all banks nationwide report at least some farming in their portfolio, some farming loans in their portfolio. Um, you know, uh, ABA, uh, not American Bar Association, it's American Bankers Association, do not believe that the $10 million increase in the debt limit is appropriate because they believe it will be detrimental to the banking industry and ultimately, they say detrimental to the farmers because it would make credit less available to farmers. And I got to tell you, in all my years of being a lobbyist, insurance industry, dealing with banks, that's always the issue. If you if you make it harder, if you do more stuff for the consumer, it makes it harder for the lender. And if it's harder for the lender, they're going to shut down um, making loans to farmers and ranchers, and that's not going to be a good thing as far as they're concerned. But they make three points. Um, They say in 2018, farm banks, that is to say banks with more than 16% of their loans made to farmers and ranchers, increased their lending by 5.3% to meet the rising needs of farmers and ranchers and now provide over $108 billion in farm loans. So they're saying that they are already making these loans and they're helping out the farmers. So, And, and that's increased uh, from only t- about $25 billion in loans in 1990 up to $108 billion in loans. So they're, they're saying they're meeting the needs of farmers. Uh, they're saying that also the agriculture economy has been slowing with farming sector profitability expected to decline. That's what the farmers say, too. But they're saying because that debt is going to uh, increase the quality of the farmer's uh, ability to uh, have the collateral for a loan will dissipate. They say that rising the debt limits on a Chapter uh, 12 bankruptcy to $10 million is unjustified and will rise borrowing costs for all farmers. They say allowing debtors to significantly reduce the amount they owe on the mortgage, that is to say via cram down, that's not done in Chapter 13s, will harm their financial industry. It prevents creditors from voting on reorganization. In Chapter 12s, you don't have to take poll and have the creditors vote to approve a plan. It's not required, just like in Chapter 13. And it permits debtors 
to own the farm business without creditor consent. So that, in the ABA's view, is a reason to not have the, the debt limits raised to $10 million. I don't agree with them, but, you know, I'm not a farmer now. I'm just a lowly lawyer. But if you think that this is important, you need to get in touch with your representative and let them know. So I'm going to leave it there for now. But always in closing, I like to say here at Selwyn's Law and KFAX, we always want to stay on the right side of the law. And right now, y'all out there listening to my voice have an opportunity to make some good law. Till next time, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.